Listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time right now for the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. And who do we have in the studio again today? Crazy. Ed, who are you? Hi, I'm a local record collector. And you're back on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show, Ed. 
Let me tell you, I'm lucky to be back on the show because I had three opportunities to have an accident on the way here. We really appreciate you coming back to the Nardwarty Human Serviette Radio Show, Ed, because last week you had an amazing show filled with rock and roll females. Just a little recap. What happened last week? They was the first ladies of rock and roll, the first women to be doing rock and roll way back in the 50s. The day I have a hard time. And today on the Nardwarty Human Serviette Radio Show, we're doing an interesting concept show, aren't we? We're going to be uh, following a book written by Jake Austin, or at least he edited, he says. <laughs> I don't know if he edited who wrote it. But anyway, it's called Flying Saucers Rock and Roll. And this is a brand new book that uh, came out in 2011. And Nardware owns a copy. Yes, I know Jake because I contribute to Rocktober Fanzine. And Jake is the editor of Rocktober Fanzine. So some of the articles that are in that book appeared in Rocktober Fanzine. And Jake, indeed, is also a researcher and writer so some of his stuff is in the book there too so uh, in the intro to the book uh, actually a dedication he has to to maya and noble who thrived and blossomed perhaps despite but likely because their lullabies and nursery rhymes were signifying monkey woolly bully and male stripper and so, Ed, you took that to heart, and we began the Nardwarty Human Serviette Radio Show today with what? Without was the Signifying Monkey by Smokey Joe, whose uh, last name actually was Ba, and that was uh, cut for the Sun Record Company back in about um, sometime in late 55. So you've had that in your collection for years, and now the book Flying Saucers Rock and Roll, Conversations with Unjustly Obscure Rockin' Souls Eccentrics, came out on your book. And came out on your record player right now, right? That inspired you. Well, we're uh, we're going to try and follow it along a little bit with uh, records out of my collection, following um, you know the, some of the suggestions made in the book. Again, the book is Flying Saucer Rock and Roll. Everybody should pick it up. Rocktober Fanzine, amazing as well. Flying Saucer Rock and Roll Conversations with Unjustly Obscure Rock and Soul Eccentrics. Certainly, and uh, well, actually, it starts off with, with a fellow named uh, Os- Oscar Brown. Is that correct, Oscar? Yes, Brown? Oscar Brown. Yeah. So um, I know I, d- I don't know anything about Oscar Brown, but he starts talking about uh, what he's done, and he d- did some amazing things, no doubt. And I've got the very first uh, tune that he ever wrote, and I don't know I, I don't know if you should really call this a tune or not, but uh, it's a thing. So uh, it's called The Convention, and it came out on VJ way back in 1956, and he, he talks about the whole thing, and it's pretty neat. The whole book's pretty neat, really. Had you listened to the record since you've, like, opened up the book? Or before you open up the book? Um, yeah, uh, well, I played it yesterday to, to uh, remind myself what it's all about. But do you remember getting the record when you got it? Oh, heavens no. It's been in the collection since uh, 1970s sometimes. The the one interesting thing that I didn't know until I read the book was that D. Clark is on this record. It's D. Clark's very, very first record. What can you say about D. Clark? A bit more information on Oscar Brown. Well, D. Clark was a, a fellow that uh, started having hits in '59 uh, for for um, for VJ and their uh, subsidiary label, Falcon Label, and he was a huge star in uh, from about '59 uh, through about '63. He had uh, quite a few hit records. 
So right now, we're going to kick into Oscar Brown. This is Oscar Brown written thing. This is called the convention uh, as by the delegates from 1956, Chicago. On the the human serviette radio show, Flying Saucers Rock and Roll Conversations with Unjustly Obscure Rock and Soul Eccentrics Tribute Show with special guest DJ, Eddie J. will now come to order. Mr. Speaker! Mr. Speaker! The chair recognizes the delegate from Hip City. Mr. Chairman, honored guests, and fellow music lovers. These squares have been goofing up the music industry for well now into 50 years. And now we think it's time You gave us a chance. The American Federation for Preservation of Rock and Roll. We're meeting tonight to set ourselves a goal. To keep the joints on jumping. To keep the rhythm thumping. If you like your music swinging. If you go for jazz, you're singing. We'll keep it that way every day. the dancing in the upper balcony. Mr. Speaker! Mr. Speaker! The chair recognizes Delegate Frankie Flyman. Where is your platform? I'm standing on it. We will now have a report from the nominating committee. We nominate Alice Presney our permanent president Puss Dorino was on the floor Can you tell me where he went? Those cats will send you If you want to be sent Our meeting halls are for having balls There ain't no place for squares You can come along on your own Playing quartets of trios of pants The American Federation for Preservations of Rock and Roll We're meeting tonight to satisfy your soul. We guarantee good rocking. We guarantee good rolling. We'll keep it that way every day. Mr. Chairman and delegate, we're rock and roll these 48 states. Let's take our platform to the nation with the help of jocks on every station. We'll have a swinging I was in a picture recently, and the money was pretty fair. I'd say that. It wasn't big money. It was the regular size they have of money, but it just wasn't too much. I made a picture for MGM and RKO, Rice, Kale, and Onions, in Mitchell's Grocery Market on Jefferson. <laughs> the picture was a western. The scene opened with the Lone Ranger and Tonto riding the plains. They were riding hard, and their horses were snorting. <laughs> and they looked up ahead, and it was 5,000 Indians charging them from the north. Lone Ranger said, Tonto, what will we do? Tonto said, Ugh, we head south. <laughs> 
They rode south. Pretty soon, 5,000 Indians were charging from the south. Lone Ranger said, Tonto, what do we do? Tonto said, Ugh, we go east. They rode east. And pretty soon, 5,000 Indians had surrounded them from the east, 10,000 from the west. They were surrounded by Indians. The Lone Ranger said, What do we do, Tonto? Tonto said, Ugh, what do you mean, we?
And you're still listening to the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show with special guest DJ. Eddie J. And Eddie J, we are doing something special today. We are celebrating the book, Flying Saucer Rock and Roll. All about amazingly, unjustly obscure rock and soul eccentrics edited by Jake Austin, who does Rocktober Fanzine. Rocktober Fanzine is the most amazing fanzine out there. If I say the word amazing, I really do mean the word amazing. Check him out, rocktober.com, and you can see you can get on a hard copy of the mag. It's amazing. There's a word, amazing, and Jake Austin's last name begins with A, so it is amazing. And Jake put out this book, some of the best stuff from Rocktober. I lent it here to Ed, and Ed said, hey, Nardware, we should do a show all based on the book. So we are playing all stuff that has kind of inspired us to think about the stuff that's out there via the book. And what did we just hear in there? Well, that was Slim Roads. Um, now, uh, the chapter two in the book is about a, a guy named... David Allen Coe, who was really um, rather a wild man, actually had a, a ton of uh, country uh, western hits in the uh, in the seventies. That's a little out of my uh, range of expertise, but uh, he mentions in the book uh, he has his three favorite artists, and Slim Rhodes uh, was being one of them. Uh, that was recorded for the Sun Record Company from uh, Memphis, Tennessee. That came out in December '56. And uh, he also mentions that uh, another one of his favorite artists is Screamin' Jay Hawkins. Screamin' Jay Hawkins uh, deserves his uh, own place in this book. How come there's not a chapter on him? Because he's a guy that never hit a hit, never had a hit record. That was, uh, we heard the original I Put a Spell on You, recorded February 12, 1956. And of course, that was uh, the song that was uh, made famous by the Creed's Clearwater Revival. So they were Screamin' Jay Hawkins fans too. Um, Screamin' Jay, uh, Jay was uh, just a wild man back in the 50s. He made, he made uh, Little Richard look pretty tame. They would, they would bring him through the audience um, his his uh, hearse would pull up, uh, pull up outside the door of uh, the the gig, and they would bring him through the audience in a casket, and they would put the casket on stage, and then he would jump out of the casket. In Flying Saucer Rock and Roll, it mentions that David Allen Coe might have been in the same jail as Screaming Jay Hawkins. Do you see that little tidbit in there? Yeah, I think I noticed that, yeah. Which seemed pretty cool that they were together at that point way back when. It must have been like the late 50s at that time. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, he mentions being a teenage jailbird. And we also heard the Midnighters in there, too. Yes, Hank Ballard and the Midnighters uh, from April 54, a record that was banned in a lot of places. Uh, it was a just a monster of an R&B hit. It uh, hit, hit number one on the R&B charts, and it stayed there for seven weeks, more than a month, and was on that chart for, for 26 weeks, a half a year. Just a monster hit. I I just noticed that it actually it it did nick the the pop charts. It did chart on the pop charts, um, but it was banned in a lot of places. And work with me anyway. Well, that was a euphemism, uh, meaning have sex with me, Annie. Ed, for the records that you have in your collection, it's amazing. I mentioned a band, and you have it like deep dark in your collection. 
For 78, because you played some sun, was there any sun? How much sun is on 78? When were 78s discontinued? Well, generally in the States, they, they made uh, 78s up to about late 58 to, till about the fall of 58. So there was, uh, there were sun uh, 78s made up uh, all, that, all that way. Do you have any? You know something? I worked for the Sun Record Company back in um, back in the early '90s, and I visited Shelby Singleton in his uh, studio in Nashville, Tennessee, and I was amazed that he still had about 250 78s in him. If I would have had uh, any brains, or more particular, more money in my wallet, I should have bought them all. But then, um, you know, it's kind of funny. I, I made a, a Sun T-shirt ba- based on the Sun 78 logo with the uh, with the rooster, which is just a beautiful logo, um, pretty much universally recognized as one of the best logos ever. And um, I did not own a Sun 78. I had uh, quality versions of the Sun 78, but I did not actually own a Sun 78. So then I was, I was just getting ready to go, and then I th- I went and looked at those uh, those 78s, and I thought I gotta buy one. And I thought which one should I buy? And and I and so uh, I made a deal with Shelby to uh, to buy a copy of Just Walking in the Rain by the Prisoners. Which came out in about '54, and I, and I, one of the thought that I had was, you know, I wonder how many times Elvis Presley has walked by this very record. So that's the the one and only Sun '78 that I own. So the warehouse was different than the recording studio. The Sun warehouse was different than the recording studio because I thought the recording studio was moved and renovated and all that sort of stuff. Well, the, the Sam's original studio was uh, 706 Union Street, and then uh, his new studio was on Madison. And, of course, Shelby uh, opened the third Sun studio, and that was in Nashville. And when Sam sold uh, Shelby the, the company... He uh, also sold him the uh, the warehouse or what he had uh, of warehouse stock. So he, he still had a, an awful lot of uh, new old stock records that went back to the 50s. And I went through every little last bit of it. Uh, probably 20,000 Sun Records have touched my hands. And I picked out all kinds of goodies that were still in there, and there was and there was some that, that I wish I would have known back then because I would have just bought every copy he had. Which one? Um, there was a thing by Ed Bruce called "Sweet Woman" that uh, is a real hot uh, record these days. It sells for about seventy five hundred bucks. You also have a lot of Sun Records promos, like Canadian promos. How rare are those? Um, I, there were no uh, Sun promos in Canada, I, I, unless uh, you're thinking of the 70s uh, w- when Shelby started reissuing things. Uh, yeah, I guess there were some at that point, but uh, yeah, I, I always think of Sun of, uh, for, for being a 50s label, and there were none back then. But uh, yeah, back in the 50s, there were a number of, uh, of Sun records that were issued in Canada on the quality label. And I've made a thing of collecting them, and I, I do have them all, except for one Johnny Cash record, which um, we're not sure that it was actually 
printed by quality. They issued a, a number for the for the record, but uh, no copies have ever been seen in any kind of condition. So we kind of can think that uh, it probably doesn't exist. Back to Flying Saucer Rock and Roll Conversations with Unjustly Obscure Rock and Soul Eccentrics, edited by Jake Austin, a book that has inspired a show here on an Ardwater Human Survey Radio Show. Ed read the book and has brought in a whole bunch of records relating to the book, and we've been playing them here today. Right. Now, so in the next chapter, he mentions a guy named Guy, a guy named a guy, Guy Chukurian. Chukurian. Um, I think you say he said he was Armenian. I'd never heard of this person. He's just um, extremely obscure. And um, uh, Guy's thing was to take hit records and make Armenian uh, versions of them. So to, to put in some, some, I guess, Armenian uh, lyrics and also uh, use an Armenian kind of uh, um, bands playing these kind of things. So at any rate, uh, he said he was kind of an Armenian Mickey Katz. And uh, so I brought a Mickey Katz. uh, So this gives us an idea what it's all about. So this is Mickey Katz, who was uh, a Jewish guy. And um, so this is a a klezmer version of uh, Elvis Presley's Hound Dog, which is retitled, You're a Dirty Dog. On the Nardward Human Survey Radio Show with special guest DJ. Crazy. He ain't nothing but a dirty dog. He looking all the time. You ain't nothing but a dirty dog. Raining all the time. The best of us couldn't get riechen dein Tat nach Hause. Oh, they say that you was high class. Und der Riel machte Tönnen. Sanfai Stückchen im Erkutten. As a Jörg auf meine Sonnen. If you don't stop the Stückloch, I'm gon' frask you in your Brunnen. You ain't nothing but a dirty dog. And you like Horton Spielen. If you lose a couple dollars, like a dog fox to feel him, you're a trafable fun and you never even laid no feeling. Stick, oh boy. You ain't nothing but a dirty dog. You slept me highly up. You gave me a fiddle. Aha, a real big mitzia. All the horse got for plunging. Man, you're a me as a bria. Good neck, Brandon's also in our top. I'll be glad when you're dead, you rest. 
Dinosaurier stinken vom Karpfen.
Still listening to the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show, with special guest DJ Eddie J. And Eddie J, what are we doing here today in the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show? At least up to this point, and who are you? Well, I'm just a local record collector, just collecting um, kind of uh, weird records and all kinds of things that just kind of catch my fancy. And uh, I have a wide range of tastes, so I've got a pretty far-ranging record collection. And what we've been doing is we've been going through a book called Flying Saucers Rock and Roll, which was edited by Jake Austin. And uh, he he writes a whole chapter on uh, the Trainiers, and uh, they started... Uh, and that's what we just heard. 
That was what we just heard. We had a call that saw by the Trinies from 1952, recorded for the OK label. And uh, the Trinies started off as a brother act in 1939, and uh, they were they were still going. Uh, actually, I saw them in uh, in Las Vegas in about uh, 2003 or so, and uh, Claude actually uh, wrote on my sleeve here. Yeah, what did he write? He wrote. Claude Trigny, what a strange thing to write. Um, not exactly. Uh, so at any rate, uh, yeah, so they had a, a wonderful act. Now, only on one occasion did one of their records nick the R&B charts. Um, actually, you know, back in September of 1951, the R&B charts was 10 records long. Can you believe that? Ten records long. Um, we'll never know what number 11 was, but uh, Go, Go, Go by the Trainiers uh, was their only hit record. It uh, nicked the charts at number 10 for one whole glorious week. Had a Call was an elixir um, in the early 50s. So there was uh, guys go, going around selling this snake oil. But it's Had a Call and clear, clear all your ills. And, of course, you know, if you go back 100 years, some of those elixirs had things in them like cocaine, heroin. All of things were legal back then. And, and in the book, it was interesting talking about the Trinies, how they jumped around. They jumped a lot, around a lot, didn't they? That's right. They had a very dynamic show. And actually... Um, on each other. Like, they would jump on each other and stuff. Well, they would do all kinds of flips and tricks and stuff like that. And actually, uh, uh, Sugar Pie DeSanto, uh, we started that set off with, or actually the second song into the set. Uh, she used to do backflips and stuff like that. Uh, she was born Umpelia Marcima Balintan. Uh, October 16th, 1935, in Brooklyn, New York. She was 4'11". She had a black mom and a Filipino dad. And she was another one of those people that discovered by Johnny Otis, who also discovered Etta James. And she grew up with Etta James. And she did a single with Etta James, too, according she to the She did two of them. She did two of them. Uh, she had two uh, hit singles uh, with it, with Etta James. Um, at one point, she says she moved to Chicago, and for seven years, she was a, a staff writer for uh, the Chess Checker label. And uh, her big hit was uh, the one we heard there, Slippin' Mules, was an answer. Slippin' Mules, um, the mules are a type of woman's shoe uh, for, for the guys out there. And um, I don't know, do they still have mules, do you think? Maybe the, for the women out there, too. Uh, at any rate, uh, I, have, I have no idea. But uh, she, she toured with uh, Johnny Otis in 55. And in 59 and 60, she toured with James Brown. And she became known as Lady James Brown. And James Brown is, is renowned for his dancing and jumping off of drums and stuff like that. And she would match him. That was interesting. Like, she'd be right beside him, and they'd jump off the amps and the drums and everything. Well, and, and doing black backflips as well. That's right. And, and eventually, uh, they, 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 uh, they ended the shows, uh, some of the shows like that, where, when they would simultaneously jump off uh, drum kits or pianos and stuff like that. 
And she wouldn't put up with any of James' shenanigans, would she? James Brown liked to uh, <clears throat> um, be romantically involved with all his uh, ladies, and uh, she was about the only one that wasn't romantically involved with uh, with James Brown. She says in, her, in the book, she says she didn't like to mix business with... Um, with her romance, so she uh, uh, wouldn't have anything to do with uh, any of the uh, um, with the, the guys in the band. You found your sleeve. Yes. <laughs> yes, we're live here with Eddie J, Vancouver record collector, and he lost one of his sleeves. And you being a record collector, Ed, that's like a nightmare, isn't it? Losing well, one of your sleeves. Well, it was for this Pressure of the Sun record that we just played there, the Flying Saucers Rock and Roll. Which... And a lot of the records, like the Sugar Pie record, where did you get that? Because it used to be a lot of digging. Like, you used to go like to a thrift shop in Maple Ridge, and it had great stuff. Now you're on eBay quite a bit. Well, this is all true, yeah. And I used to go to thrift stores and uh, garage sales and stuff like that. And I've I've just had this record for a long time. But I remember when it was uh, a hit record back in the day, at uh, back in May of 64 is when it came out. It was on the Hot 100 at number 48 for five weeks. Didn't chart in Vancouver, but, you know, and back in those days, I suppose from time to time I'd be listening to Seattle and they were more into uh, black music over there. So in between, sandwich in between Sugar Pie and the Trenniers, we had the namesake of the book, Flying Saucers Rock and Roll uh, by Billy Lee Riley. I love what I love what he says about Billy Lee Riley in the book here. He says more than a cult hero, less than an icon. And then later in the book, he says he's uh, probably one of the greatest artist um, uh, not to have a national hit record. And um, there's a, a lot about it in in the book where uh, you know Billy is. Um, Who was oh, Billy Lee Riley for people that don't know? Well, he was part Cherokee. Uh, Riley uh, would be uh, an Irish name, so um, so part Indian, part white, uh, a mixture. Uh, he says there was uh, um, Cherokee on both sides of his family. Uh, he he claims in the book to have the hottest uh, rock and roll band in the southern USA at the time, which is kind of interesting because he had a label mate uh, by the name of Sonny Burgess who made exactly the same claim, and both of those bands were dynamite hot. Uh, Roland James on guitar on uh, Flying Saucers Rock and Roll. Jerry Lee Lewis is playing piano, and that's how Jerry Lee Lewis gets to be introduced to Sam Phillips. So there's all kinds of rumors about how Jerry Lee got uh, introduced to Sam Phillips. But uh, in the book, Billy Lee Riley is saying, "Look, I'm not going to BS you. This is this is the way things happen." So I tend to believe what what Billy was saying. I've met him myself. Um, is there, I'm holding an autographed uh, sleeve uh, for Flying Saucers Rock and Roll. I met him a couple times. Met him in Seattle. Um, met him in uh, in uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin. I think that was 2002. At any rate, um, yeah, Billy was... Um, uh, he died back in August 2nd of 2009. He was born in Bookings, Arkansas, and, um, well, let's see, I've got two different dates for him dying. That's interesting. I think in the book it says August 2nd, 2009. And over here I've got that he died <laughs> October 18th, 
2013. So now I'm wondering I don't which, think of, those, so. which I th- of those is correct. I think it was 2009. You think I did check on that. Yeah, I guess I, I have to. Um, he played uh, harmonica for Dean Martin uh, for a couple of his big hits, Houston and then Little, Wine, Little Old Wine Drinker Me. And uh, he says he also played on uh, the Beach Boys' big hit, Help Me Rhonda. Uh, and some Sammy Davis Jr. as well. Yes, and uh, he also played on uh, Johnny Rivers' Mountain of Love, which is uh, which originally was recorded by Harold Dorman for the Rita label, which he owned with Roland James. That was uh, Billy, Lee's Riley, Billy Lee Riley's label. And we heard Flying Saucer Rock and Roll on the Sun record label, he also said he never got any royalties from Sun. Have you heard stuff like that from Sun artists? Um, no. Um, yeah, I was a little surprised to, to hear him say that. But um, that's, you know, kind of the way it went uh, in, in the 50s. The worst label was uh, the Root label out of New York, which had mob money behind it. I remember talking to uh, Buddy Knox one time, and Buddy told me that I didn't get paid. None of us got paid. And uh, there's a story about uh, Jimmy Rogers, who had um, really huge hits, uh, million sellers with Honeycomb, Uh Oh, I'm Falling in Love Again. Uh, to name just a couple, uh, he wanted to see the books, and they found him on uh, on a California freeway. Uh, they they beat the the crap out of him and left him for dead. Um, when he uh, started, recovered his health, he he first he said that uh, you know he was being beaten up by the mob, and um, eventually he changed his story. They probably told him, look, you keep that up, pal. We're going to finish the job. He also talks, this being Billy Lee Riley, and you were mentioning Buddy Knox there previously, right? Hmm. He talks a lot about Jack Clement. Who was Jack Clement? Cowboy Jack Clement was a genius record producer for Sun Record Company. In the beginning, all the producing was done by Sam Phillips, but when Jack came along, Jack took over. Um, it was Jack Clemens who made a, a, a
Mississippi, your lumberjacks had Paul Bunyan and his blue ox babe right on down the line. And if you will remember, not too long ago here, your coal miners had Big Bad John. But what about your less dangerous occupations? What about people like, well, like your tea bag testers and your certified public accountants? Just because a man doesn't work at a dangerous back-breaking occupation is no reason he should be slighted by the folk art. So I'm gonna sing you a little song about a fellow whose name was Sidney. He was a hairdresser, and in his own way, he was just as heroic, just as courageous as Big Bad John. Every morning at the salon, you could see him arrive. Five foot six, weighing 105. Narrow at the shoulders and broad at the hips With a delicate smile on his painted lips Sweet Sydney Nobody knew where Sid called home Had a place on Fire Island where he lived alone A likable fellow, though kind of quiet and shy And if he spoke at all, he just said Hi, sweetie some say he came from New Orleans Where he headed a social club called the Cajun Queens But to tell you the truth, it was Beverly Hills Where he got into trouble passing $3 bills Naughty Sydney, desperate little outlaw One day at the beauty shop, there was a dreadful fire they had a short circuit and number four dryer And amidst the screams of those frantic dames In Swiss Sydney to fan the flames Sweet Sid He got them all out as the fire got worse But someone heard him gasp I've forgotten my purse He rushed back in with a fitful shout and all was quiet, and he never came out. Poor Sidney. Brave, valiant, heroic Sidney. Precious little firefighter. That beauty salon is now a parking lot. But the legend of our hero will not be forgot For deep in the hearts of quaffier dames Will live the memory of Sydney going down In flames Small sad Sam Small sad Sam Here's a tale of a man who was puny and weak Stood four foot six in his stocking feet Kind of narrow in the shoulder and heavy in the waist. Everything about him seemed to be misplaced. Small Sam. Small sad Sam. He slid into town one rainy night, running like a dog away from a fight. He had a pretty big mouth for a guy his size, and everything he said was a pack of lies. Small Sam. Small sad Sam. One day he got on a downtown bus. First thing you know, there was an awful fuss. They threw Sam off into the street. 
for trying to steal an old lady seat. That's Sam. Small sad Sam. One day, nobody knows what for, an elevator stuck on the 85th floor. Some cables broke, and so it said, that car just hung there by a thread. The women were calm, the men were mild, but Sam screamed and cried like a little child. He squeezed himself through the emergency door and pulled himself up to the 86th floor. Small Sam. Chicken Sam. That chicken Sam. And then instead of helping others get free, Sam said, I'm looking out for me. The cable snapped and all the way down, they cursed out Sam till they hit the ground. Small Sam. Small sad Sam. Now someday Sam's gonna get his due. And when he does, I'll make a bet with you. There ain't nobody even gonna pass the hat. Cause Sam was nothing but a no-good cat. Small sad Sam. Yes, yeah, small Sam. Small sad Sam. Chicken Sam. Small sad Sam. No good Sam. Small sad Sam. And you're still listening to the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show with special guest DJ Crazy. And what did we just hear? We've entered the weird novelty section of the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show after leaving the flying saucer rock and roll section. Well, actually, we're remembering a hit record from November 61. That was Phil McLean's Small Sad Sam was number 21 on the Hot 100. And right here in Vancouver, B.C., Canada, that was still top 40 with number 33 on CKWX. Before that, we had uh, Sweet Sydney, Casey Anderson, the original um, from 1963, and we started the set off with my son, the folk monster, Larry Foster, from December 62. On the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. Anything you'd like to say about those records that we just played? They're just all obscure. But we're going to play a huge monster hit right now. We're going to play Napoleon the 14th. But um, what we're going to do really is play this for, for anybody that doesn't know it. And then we're going to play an extremely obscure answer song to it. So this is, they're coming to take me away. Ha ha ho ho to the funny farm. And the answer song is a thing called I'm Normal by the Emperor. On the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. Remember when you ran away and I got on my knees and begged you not to leave because I go berserk? Well, you left me anyhow and then the days got worse and worse and now you see I've gone completely out of my mind. And... They're coming to take me away, ha-ha, they're coming to take me away, ho-ho, hee-hee, ha-ha, to the funny farm where life is beautiful all the time, and I'll be happy to see those nice young men in their clean white coats, and they're coming to take me away, ha-ha! You thought it was a joke, and so you laughed, you laughed when I had said that losing you would make me flip my lid, right? You know you laughed, I heard you laugh. You laughed, you laughed and laughed and then you left. But now you know I'm utterly mad. And 
They're coming to take me away, ha-ha, they're coming to take me away, ho-ho, hee-hee, ha-ha, to the happy home with trees and flowers and chirping birds and basket weavers who sit and smile and twiddle their thumbs and toes and they're coming to take me away, ha-ha. I cooked your food, I cleaned your house, and this is how you pay me back for all my kind, unselfish, loving deeds, ha-ha. Well, you just wait, they'll find you yet. And when they do, they'll put you in the ASPCA, you mangy mutt. And they're coming to take me away, ha-ha. They're coming to take me away, ho-ho, hee-hee, ha-ha. To the funny farm where life is beautiful all the time. And I'll be happy to see those nice young men in their clean white coats. And they're coming to take me away, ha-ha, ha-ha. To the happy home with trees and flowers and chirping birds and basket weavers who sit and Come and take my brother away. The men in white picked him up yesterday, but they'll never come take me away, because I'm okay. I'm normal. I painted everything in my house purple. My fingernail pile, my potato pillars, my... Stay away from my frog! I got an earthworm in a fruit jar, and I make long-distance calls to Ringo Starr, and I make funny faces to scare the kids. Boop! <laughs> Save lightning bugs and Katie did. They'll never come take me away, because I'm normal. I'm okay. <laughs> I play tiddlywinks with Dracula's bat and jump rope with a cross-eyed cat. I play Bob Dylan records upside down and keep my fish out of water so they won't drown. <laughs> my brother didn't know them things. That's the reason they took him away. Way yesterday. Hey, he's crazy, but I'm okay. <laughs> I fill my bathtub with strawberry jam and feed my squirrels sugar cured ham. And I spread rumors that Stalin is dead. I said he was wearing a sheepskin when he died in bed. <laughs> Made that up. I eat alphabet soup with a tuning fork and shine my shoes with Chinese pork. I'm okay. You'll never take me away. I'm normal. <laughs> You show me a pig on the highway and I'll show you a road dog. Step on a crack and break your mother's back. <laughs> I play the violin with just my thumbs and feed my lizard waffle crumbs. And I throw stones at telephone poles and hide mouth balls and gopher holes. I teach my bulldog to wear sunglasses and drink champagne and dance with Indians to make it rain. They'll ever come take me away, cause I'm normal. <laughs> I draw mustaches on Playboy bunnies and light bonfires with Sunday bunnies. And my cellar's full of Japanese spies, and I've got a red wagon with wings that flies. I change into a werewolf after dark and chase the pigeons in the park. I soak my feet in cranberry sauce and call my parakeet Betsy Ross. I'm normal, will never take me away. <laughs> he took my brother away yesterday as a babbling idiot. It is. It's very dark in here. Ambrose, where are you? Oh, oh, Ambrose, hold my hand. Ambrose, Ambrose, something's vibrating. The walls are shaking. Ambrose, we can't go on like this. 
Why can't we sit in the park like other boys and girls? Why do we have to walk in the subway tunnel? Just keep walking. Ambrose, when you grow up, why don't you be a doctor? You don't want to be a doctor? You want to be a disc jockey? Oh, Ambrose, you can't spend the rest of your life avoiding responsibilities. How many times have you been in love? Can't you ever be serious? Just keep walking. Ambrose, if I gave you my picture, would you carry it in your wallet? Well, if I gave you a wallet, would you? I'll put some money in it. What do you mean, how much? Honest, Ambrose, it's not that I didn't want to have the party at my house. I couldn't. My mommy wouldn't let me. She's ashamed. We haven't got a colored telephone. Ambrose, what was that? Oh, Ambrose, I've asked you a million times. Why do we have to walk in a subway tunnel? Just keep walking. Ambrose, you'd like me better if I peroxide my hair like Eloise? 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 You know Eloise! Your mother! You wouldn't like me peroxide. Just keep walking. Ambrose! Ambrose, just think! And you're still listening to the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show with special guest DJ Crazy Ed. Ed, what did we just hear in that last little set there? Well, that was a that was a big hit by Linda Laurie. Well, I say it was a big hit. It was a hit. It was it made the uh, Hot 100 chart at number 52. Was on the chart for nine weeks, and uh, she does both voices. And before that, we had uh, I'm Normal, which was the answer to they're coming to take me away. Um, Napoleon, the, let's see, X plus one minus five minus one is a 14th. And Napoleon 14th. I can still do my Roman numerals. Uh, Jerry Samuels is only hit record, but a huge hit record. Number three on a Hot 100. And the, the follow-up, which is the point of it all, uh, I'm Normal by Bob Hudson, which didn't chart at all, just extremely obscure. And how did you find that one, Ed? Probably Junk in Seattle back in the 70s. And how would I, why would I have bought it? Just the label uh, looked cool. The label looked cool. I'm normal. I mean, how could you the, resist a record called em- I'm normal? The emperor. I'm normal. Yeah, how can you resist something? Like, you got to find out what's in the groove. It's the only way to turn yourself on. And right now, we're going to play uh, somebody we forgot to play when we did uh, the the uh, tribute to the fallen uh, of 2013. Uh, uh, this this is another fellow that was uh, had Cherokee blood in him, twenty five percent Cherokee. This is Marvin Rainwater, born uh, July second, nineteen twenty five, in Wichita, Kansas. Died September seventeenth. He had a million seller with "Gonna Find Find Me a Bluebird" 
uh, had a great uh, rockabilly thing which uh, called Whole Lot of Woman, which was number one in the, the uh, UK for three weeks. Took classical piano lessons, wore a buckskin jacket and a headband on stage. Teresa Brewer cut one of his songs, I Gotta Go Get My Baby. So that was a big hit he wrote for her. Um, the flip side of this actually um, bubbled at uh, number 119, but the, the DJs were playing the wrong side of the, the record. We're going to play Boo Hoo from July 61. And this has got Link Ray on guitar. Link Ray is another guy that had Cherokee blood in him. Now, are we going to go through a couple others, or Ed? Because winding up, you have a tiny bit more time to kick through. Okay, we'll play a couple uh, radio things. So we're going to play uh, Radio Romance. We're going to play Marvin Rainwater. We're going to play, we'll start off with Ma- Marvin, and then we'll play uh, Radio Romance uh, by Janet and Jay called Compatitude. And if we got time for one more, that'll be the Hi-Fi Blues with Eddie Lawrence. Um, Talking about uh, audiophile mania. Where'd you get your Marvin Rainwater record? Uh, I bought that um, from a guy that uh, was selling a, uh, a a DJ record collection from Ottawa. Uh, let's see, when was that? That was probably in the 90s. So I was buying all of these records, and that was uh, that was when I had no idea what was You didn't in know that Link Ray was on guitar? I, I just bought it because it was a Marvin Rainwater I didn't have. I had no idea what was in the groove. So let's turn everybody on to what's in the groove, and, including Nardwar. And thanks for coming out to the Nardwarty Human Serviette Radio Show and blessing us with some flying saucer rock and roll preaching via the book, The Flying Saucers Rock and Roll, Conversation with Unjustly Obscure Rock and Roll Eccentrics. That was the first part of the show. And the second part of the show, we did sort of weird novelty as well. My pleasure, Nardwar. Thanks for having me. Anything else you want to add to the people out there about anything we've been playing today? Why should people care about this type of music, Ed? Well, they just don't make stuff like this anymore, and they haven't for an awful long time. So if you like it, my God, where can you get it? Nowheres, except every once in a while on Nardware, the Human Serviettes radio show. With special guest DJ. Crazy Ed shows up and does a weirdo show. Thanks so much, Ed, and doot-doot-a-loot-doo. Ed, the big ending here, and no music. What happened? Hold on. What happened? Well, I'm going to cry boo-hoo, because there's no boo-hoo. Where's Marvin when you need him? Strange for the big build-up here. We are not getting any music. Really? It's not working? So let me just, well, while I just switch this over, Ed, why don't you tell a bit more uh, people a bit more about the Marvin? Well, I just um, want to say that I, I I blame the help around here. That's what it is. You need more help, and and you know, in a pro studio, you got a guy that just cues records. That's all he ever does. While the the main DJ just sits there and picks his teeth and scratches his bums and think thinks of uh, beautiful things to say and uh, has it all scripted out. Um, yeah, I met, Marvin was another guy I met back in, uh, 2003 at, uh, or something like in, um, Las Vegas. A very nice fellow. 
Okay, are we going to roll? Hopefully, this is it, Ed. If not, I'm not quite sure what to do. So, do-do-do-do-do. supposed to be studying. So am I. What are you really doing? Thinking about last night.
I go by a hi-fi the other day. I came at home. I put it on. A needle falls just in front of the record. Rub it up against it. It's like a sniper machine gun got you in the back. Bring it back to the store, screams the wife. So I came it back to the store. The guy says, what's the matter? I tell him the needle falls just in front of the record. He says, I don't believe it. He takes out a record, puts it on. A needle falls right on the edge of the record. Where's it falling just in front of the record? He says, show me where it falls just in front of the record. I apologize. I came at home. I take out a record. I put it on. The needle falls just in front of the record. Bring it back to the store, screams the wife. I told you, bring it back to the store. Put it wake to the store. Bring it back to the store. I cab it back to the store. The same guy sees me coming. I hear him going, uh-oh, to a little fella with glasses. Before he can duck behind a life-size side of a boy with a guitar, I grab him. He says, what's the matter now? I says, I put it on him. The needle falls just in front of the record. He says, give it to me. He puts on the record. The needle falls right on the edge of the record. And out comes the sugar plum fairies, just as beautiful as if it was conducted by Shirley Temple herself. He says, there's nothing wrong with this machine. I says, all right, give me a new one. He says, there may be something wrong with it. Where do you play it? I tell him on the kitchen table. Maybe your table's slopey. He says, I says, slopey? He says, yeah, maybe one side of the table's higher than the other. Go buy a saw. I care, but home I buy a saw. I start on the two legs on the right side of the table and saw them down about a quarter of an inch. The wife comes in suddenly. Before I could explain, she swats me just on the inside of the mouth with a beautiful roast. I tell her the guy said the table's slopey. Now at least it's straight. To prove it, I take out the record player. I put on the record. Morning, you know the needle don't fall just in front of the sugar plum record anymore. It falls right in the middle of the record, splitting a fairy in half. The wife comes at me with a Swedish bread knife, but I throw a flying tackle at her, tie up her legs and arms, and shove her in the bathtub. I go get the saw. I start sawing off the legs on the other side of the table to even her out, but the wife's muffled shrieks annoyed me, and I went too far, because when I take out the record player and I put on the record, the needle falls just in front of the record, and the noise sounded like lightning just struck Oak Ridge. I take out the saw and start on the legs on the other side of the table, about half an inch. I take out the record player, I put on the record, it falls in the middle of the record. I take out the saw, I operate. I take out the record player, I take out the record, the needle falls just in front of the record. I take out the saw, I start on the legs on the other side of the table, the saw breaks, I cab it to the hardware store, I cab it back, I take off half an inch. I take out the record player, I put on the record, it falls in the middle of the record. I take out the saw, I operate. I take out the record player, I take out the record, the needle falls just in front of the record. The wife manages to climb out of the tub, she comes at me with an old console radio and lets me have it. I came her to the hospital. Today in my house, we have one damaged old console radio, a man with a shattered mechanism in his head, a record player where the needle falls just in front of the record, and the shortest kitchen table in America.